Vision trial attorney, Mark Milton, and The Smash on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. I should have been a cowboy. I should have learned to roll and ride. Wearing my six shoes, riding my pony on a cat and drive. Well, welcome everybody to the Mark Milton Show. Smash with you right here. And we've got a great show for you here today. Not only going to give you some tax information that might help you in a big, big way, but we're going to turn you on to the guy who really kind of like turned us on to this whole McCloskey thing and all kinds of other stuff that's going on in and of the St. Louis area. I met this guy, what was it, Al, maybe 20, 25 years ago, something like that? Uh, it, was, it was long enough ago that you were wearing short pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, Al Watkins from the Codner Watkins Law Firm out there on Forsyth in Clayton. And uh, Al does all kinds of work. The law firm does all kinds of work. They've taken care of me all these years. And uh, one of the uh, great things about Al Watkins, I not only know him to be just like a gunner on an airplane when it comes time to take care of you and your legal situation, but also a family, man, because I saw you at Baskin-Robbins and you were buying everybody ice cream. And it was kind of like, thank you, Mr. Mr. Watkins. I'll have a chocolate chip. Well, you know, nice anytime that DNA test comes back positive, <laughs> I, I figure it's time to take that young lad or lash out for, a, for an ice cream cone. Very nice. Well, that's my partner, Mark Milton, right on over there. And this is the Mark Milton Show. And we got a lot of things to go with uh, with Al on here. Uh, let's start off, of course, with the McCloskeys, man. Everybody knows uh, that whole situation. And now it's gotten to the point where I believe uh, Kim Gardner has uh, put a um, a felony conviction uh, up against them. I don't know charge. what the legal well, felony charge, not a conviction, a charge. Mm -hmm. And now the attorney general is saying he's going to not let that stand. Well, it's, it's even broader than that. Really? We had the attention of the White House. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the president himself is fascinated with the reality that in this day and age, we have people who are trying to protect themselves and their family and their homes yeah. and are being charged with felonies yeah. for doing so on their own property. Yeah. We had the attention of the chief of staff of, of President Trump, Mark Meadows. He's all over this like a bad dose of the flu, not COVID, but, yes. but a bad flu. dose of the flu. We have the governor. The governor of the state of Missouri, who um, has come out very clearly and in a concise fashion, stating, well, by the way, if, you know, if they get convicted, I'm issuing a pardon. Mm -hmm. We have the head state law enforcement official in the form of our attorney general writing an amicus brief and filing it with the court, explaining the absolute law of the state of Missouri, also known as the Castle Doctrine, stating that everything that the McCloskeys did was lawful and not worthy of any criminal charge. Yeah. Now we have even more amazing revelations. The handgun that was held by Mrs. McCloskey was turned over to me to preserve and maintain the integrity of that evidence because that handgun was inoperable. Oh, really? It was inoperable at the time that she waived it. And the charge that she is being charged with, unlawful use of a weapon, mm -hmm. is one which requires that the weapon be readily capable of lethal force. This handgun was not. And in fact, 
in order to have it be available for utilization in a courtroom as an exhibit in products liability cases against the manufacturer of the gun that was handled by the McCloskeys, both of whom are attorneys, they had to reverse the firing pin. Yeah. To do that, you have to fully dissemble the gun, reverse the firing pin, and reassemble the gun. Yeah. That is not something you can do without knowledge, and it's not something you can do readily. You have to do it, and it takes time. You have to know what you're doing. You have to be a handgun or firearms expert, and, you, and it takes time. I turned over that gun pursuant to a search warrant to the detectives in the St. Louis City Police Department. I made sure that that conveyance of the possession of that gun was videoed by every local television yeah. network. Photographs were taken by UP and by post-dispatch photographers. There were witnesses there, including those affiliated with our federal government. And we made sure that it was memorialized and transferred in a fashion to preserve the integrity of the inoperable nature of that gun. Things had been put on the gun so that nothing could be done to tamper with that gun without us seeing it. And lo and behold, now, yesterday, the circuit attorney says, oh, we, we ripped up the gun and reversed the firing pin and put it back together, and it was readily capable of lethal, <laughs> really? lethal harm. So they reversed it. They reversed it. They wow. tampered yeah, with, with evidence. evidence. And that's a crime. Yeah. Now we've also found out, and this is a first, the search warrant served upon the residents of the McCloskeys that served as the basis to get those handguns was premised on a report prepared by a detective who we are now led to believe was forced and compelled by a major in the police department at the direction of the circuit attorney to change the report to make sure that it comported with the elements required to permit a warrant to issue. That, ladies and gentlemen, is corruption. And that is another problem. Another problem for a political creature whose job appears to be premised solely on her ability to ignore fundamental and longstanding Missouri law. And ladies and gentlemen, we all, as we sit here today, doesn't matter your race, doesn't matter your background, your pedigree, your heritage, we are all McCloskeys. And if we don't support the McCloskeys and fight back against what is a demonstration of the blatant compromise of their civil rights, we are next. And who's going to be there for us? Now, Mr. Washington, now, my understanding is you got to know the McCloskeys because you were a neighbor of theirs on Portland Place. I was a neighbor on Portland Place. And one of the things that, that we have to point out, after this incident, the residents of Westmoreland Place out a public statement and that statement was we object to the actions taken by the McCloskeys to protect their home and their family I resided on Portland Place Portland Place residents Westmoreland Place residents all pay a lot of money every month to have an armed guard to do what to stop every person who comes in and by the way with respect to people of color the practice was to pull the gun and have it at the ready at the time they stopped a non-resident. 
in the private places. The problem with that is my friends of color didn't like having to run through that gauntlet. I objected to it. I objected to it, and the only other resident who supported me in that objection was the McCloskeys. Wow. Wow. And so so this is a private street, make no mistake. Make make no mistake. The the street is private. The sidewalk is private. the, The middle tree line is private. And that's owned by the residents, not by the trustees, not by the city. If the road needs to be worked on, the residents pay for it. If the sidewalks need to be maintained, the, the, the residents pay for it. And the residents own an undivided 145th interest, each of them, in the sidewalk and the streets. The minute that crowd crossed that gate, locked or not, and it was locked, and it was broken, and we have pictures from UPA, UP photographer evidencing that, the minute they crossed that threshold through the gate, every one of those peaceful protesters were then interlopers. They were trespassers. They were violating the law. They didn't mean to, but there's a difference between being a peaceful protester and an unlawful protester. Our rights under the Constitution need to be protected, and your right to freedom of speech is important, but you can't enforce that at the expense of any other right. Well, and you don't have a right to First Amendment speech on private property. You can't just break into private property, private land, and do whatever you want. I mean, there are limits. And uh, there's been much made about this gate. You know, in the beginning, uh, you know, the the left, the the far-left media said, oh, the gate wasn't broken. It was broken after the fact. What can you tell us about what happened to that gate? All right, so that gate is an old gate. It's wrought iron. It's been there for 100-plus years. Yeah. Um, it is embedded by concrete into a rock wall that's been there for over 100 years. Uh, in order to open that gate, you have to have a key. What, that, what happened was the key was not used because there was no key in the hands of the protesters. Mm-hmm. It was forced open. It was not broken at first. So the first interlopers that went through were able to get through half of the gate, which had been opened. The other half was bolted into the ground. As the crowd, and it was there were hundreds of them, poured through that gate as trespassers, there were too many, too wide, to get through half the gate. And the gate was then mangled, and a photograph was taken by the UP photographer. In fact, many photographs were taken, depicting the individuals responsible for it and the mangled gate as well. I provided that to the police. I provided it to the Post-Dispatch. The Post-Dispatch ignored it. They're still saying it wasn't wasn't damaged. Jeremy Kohler has a whole video online that seems to make it look, using one-dimensional social media footage, like, oh, the gate wasn't broken at all. And what you have here is an overwhelming desire on the part of people, especially folks who really do embrace the message of Black Lives Matter, which is a noble message, Mm -hmm. but it's different than the organization itself and the agenda of the organization. Um, And and, and the goal is to just ignore the facts, that the facts be damned, whether you're a a reporter with a post-dispatch or a circuit attorney or a detective or a major with a police department who's directing a search warrant to be prepared pursuant to a report that has to be amended, revised, edited, changed. You know, look, this is not the America we were raised to love right. and adore. This is not the America that you and I as legal counsel 
have sworn to abide by the Constitution for. No, absolutely. And, and, and you're listening to the Mark Milton Show here with the Smash. We're broadcasting from the Miller Furniture Studios. And one of the things I don't or I want to understand from your perspective is the charges themselves. Um, most people probably don't realize. I mean, there are several ways charges can come about. You can go through a grand jury and get charges that way, or a prosecutor can can file charges, and then at some later point there would be a preliminary hearing. Right. Um, what what happened here, and what do you see happening short of any sort of trial? Well, oh, I'm sorry. Already you found the circuit attorney backpedaling. The, the circuit attorney has um, said, well, we don't really want to put him in jail. Uh, oh, we, we think they need to do some community service. Um, I don't know. Like what, Kim? Maybe uh, teach people the Constitution? <laughs> uh, I don't know, Kim. Like maybe uh, pursue a civil rights case on behalf of all of us in the public who seek to have our right to bear arms, to protect our family, to protect our home, remain intact. You don't, you don't file criminal charges as a prosecutor and come out and say, oh, by the way, we just want community service. I've never heard of such a thing. And by the way, Kim, my understanding is, as an agent of the court, as an elected official, as somebody who is a public servant with a duty and an obligation, it's not really kosher to direct the tampering of evidence. It's not really kosher to mandate that a report upon which you are going to have a search warrant premise be revised to make it work. Facts are facts. The Castle Doctrine is long-standing law. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? Be transparent. And by the way, think twice about what you're doing because you're an agent of the court. You have a duty. And that duty and that obligation as a public servant is to each and every one of us. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things I find most troubling about this is you know, knowing the castle, I mean, she should know what the castle doctrine is. She should know the facts, the true facts behind the case and come to her own conclusion that they were justified in doing what they did. Um, but nevertheless, she goes forward with this search warrant and seizes their guns, not only, in my opinion, infringing on the Fourth Amendment, because I don't think there really was probable cause, but also the Second Amendment. So w would there be any potential case against her for violating their civil rights when it comes to the Fourth Amendment and the Second Amendment? Well, the, the great thing about our civil rights is that they apply to everyone. And do I think we have a colorable cause of action under the Federal Civil Rights Act that inures to the benefit of Mr. and Mrs. McCloskey? Absolutely. In fact, think really hard, and I dare you to come up with a scenario in the history of the United States of America where a prosecutor has done what has been done here, and a state governor has said, I'm going to pardon him, and a state attorney general has written an amicus brief in opposition to the circuit attorney, the very person the attorney general would have to represent if there was an appeal of a conviction. I, I dare you to find precedence for this. It doesn't exist. So, so where is the case right now you've got... Joel Schwartz is now involved, famous uh, defense attorney here in town. Loved him on Dateline. Uh, you know, he represented the the gentleman out in, I think it was St. Charles County. Or... You know, Joel used to work for me. Okay. Well, Not yeah. It, and he plays the guitar also. I've been to their holiday party. Where I play he's... the radio. <laughs> so so what? Well, how is he involved now? What is your role going forward? Well, Joel is a criminal defense attorney, and he'll be the counsel handling the criminal defense case as, as, as competent 
as she is, um, in my own pompous and egotistical way. I, I like to think of myself as second to none, but I do like Joel, and he's a good man and extremely able. That being said, I am also now a witness, so I can't be both a witness sure. and counsel. I can and am addressing other matters on behalf of the McCloskeys. Okay, all right. So uh, back to my earlier point, though, was this this was not a grand jury indictment? No, no. This was this was a an information filed by the circuit attorney providing uh, the McCloskeys with the opportunity to have a preliminary hearing where. Uh, the prosecution is going to have to show a scintilla of evidence, uh, something to show probable cause that a crime has been committed. And at that point, the Castle Doctrine will be raised formally for the first time as an affirmative defense. You know, one of the things that I found astounding, personal opinion, of course, is that Mr. McCloskey, I'm not familiar with her legal work, but Mr. McCloskey does work for black folks and uh, oh, well. and does all kinds of work in making sure that black folks get their civil rights, and he's being accused of being a racist over here. It's yeah, stunning. so there there was at the outset of this a one-dimensional undertaking by folks who weren't really interested in the truth to cast and yeah. portray Mr. and Mrs. McCloskey in a racist light like uh, like Thurston Howell III and his wife on crack, all right? And the fact of the matter is nothing further from the truth could be the case. Not only was he a supporter of my effort to eliminate what I saw to be a racist pattern and protocol followed by Westmoreland Place and Portland Place, but he's also a guy who over the course of his 30-plus year career, along with that of his wife, advocated for the civil rights of people of color. And he's doing it right now. Yep. Is there any sort of a, a defense fund set up for the McCloskeys? Obviously... You know, what What people don't realize is that when you get into a situation like this, just the, the cost, not yeah. only the Mr. McCloskey's business, but, I mean, to paying attorneys and yeah. well, court you know, costs and fees and all the money, too. We are all whores in the legal profession. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when we get down on our knees, we expect to be paid shortly thereafter. So I get up this from my pro knees usually case. with my palm up. Sure. <laughs> and, in fact, often before I even get on my knees, I make sure that my palm is... My sweaty palm is filled with the requisite retainer. <laughs> the sweaty palm. Sure. And, you know, it's one of the first things you learn in law school. What's the first thing you ask your client when they come in? Well, where's, you... where's the retainer? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. And, and I say well, that. Well, I deal with people with tax problems, so I know <laughs> if, they got, if they got big tax problems, I need to make sure I get paid. Sure, no doubt about chance. it. Now, now, look, I cast light on that, but the fact of the matter is to get competent legal counsel uh, when you have a case that's going to be all-encompassing like this, time-consuming, high-profile, involving uh, involving a lot of media attention, not just in St. Louis, but around the country, the world, world right. um, it basically precludes you from carrying on with your business, other business. Yeah. So the cost associated with this is not insignificant. The McCloskeys know that. Um, they've had to incur costs for security, for cameras, for a lot of other measures necessary to keep and protect themselves from ongoing threats. Yeah. So, too, have their counsel, I might add. Mm -hmm. yeah. you, face, you. you face threats personally? Uh, yes. I think all, almost all the time, because he takes these kind of cases, and he puts his neck on the line for his clients to make mm -hmm. sure that justice is had, and I know Al's uh, had this kind of you stuff. You know, it's interesting, because when I was <clears throat> handling the civil rights case for the son of, or for the child of Anthony Lamar Smith, who was shot by Stockley, I was castigated by the right wing, threatened, given a whole lot of grief. I was applauded by the very individuals who today 
are threatening me and castigating me and wishing to hang me by my appendage from mm -hmm. the town square mm -hmm. and applauded by the very people who sought to uh, render me incapable of procreation earlier. I've said it before and I'll say it again. An attorney, to be a true advocate, will, by necessity, piss someone off. Yeah. And if you're doing a really good job, you piss off a lot of people a lot. That comes with the territory. Your job as an advocate cannot be compromised by fear, by fear of retaliation, by fear of retribution. You have a job to do, and the minute you turn around and, and walk like a, like a small dog passing razor blades is the day you should no longer be a lawyer. Well, you are listening to the Mark Milton Show broadcasting from with the Smash broadcasting from the Miller Furniture <laughs> Studios. We're going to take a break here in a second. When we come back, I want to talk to you about where you see this case headed? Will there be a plea yeah. deal? Or do you think they're going to take this all the way to trial and, and what, what the result might be? So this is the Mark Milton Show with the Smash. 590 The Fan, 590TheFan.com. You can also find us on the MarkMiltonShow.com. We will be right back. Are you currently sideways with the IRS? Do you have years of unfiled tax returns keeping you up at night? Are you facing tax liens, bank levies, or wage garnishments? If so, you should contact former Department of Justice Tax Division attorney Mark Milton at stltaxlawyer.com. Mark Milton provides a local and holistic approach to tax resolution. Don't be sucked into the out-of-town tax resolution groups you hear on the TV and radio. Mark lives and works right here in the Kirkwood area. If you have IRS problems, visit stltaxlawyer.com today. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision not be based solely on advertisements all right you're listening to the mark milton show with the smash broadcasting from the miller furniture studios miller furniture with locations in belleville illinois and lake st louis missouri right now they're having the les miller anniversary sale celebrating the 75th anniversary of les miller who was a uh, former owner who's now deceased uh pitching 19 and two-thirds innings as a pitcher for the detroit tigers back in 19 i guess it would have been 45 uh, a record that will never be broken. Right. They're offering discounts on everything in the store and also uh, on custom orders, anything for your living room, dining room, bedroom. Uh, we just ordered a beautiful dining room set from them uh, with custom upholstered chairs. Cannot wait to get it. Uh, it should be here any day now. So I encourage you to visit them at MillerFurniture.com. That's M-U-E-L-L-E-R Furniture.com. We are very fortunate today to have with us in studio uh, attorney Al Watkins, who's represented Mr. and Mrs. McCloskey uh, during this, this what really is a saga at this point. Uh, Mr. Watkins, I want to ask you about public relations as a lawyer. I mean, with today, social media being what it is, uh, as an advocate for your client, you cannot ignore what's going on in, in, in social media and, and uh, the public sphere in terms of how your clients are being branded, uh, fairly or unfairly. How do you as an attorney uh, combat you know, the social media environment, Twitter, you know, the facts versus uh, fake news, if you will. How, how do you deal with that as an attorney? Try to get the right story out there. Yeah, well, it used to be, and we were trained when we first started practicing law in the days of uh, carbon paper and typewriters, <laughs> that right. uh, the only thing you could say was no comment. What's happened, though, is no longer are those days able to be uh, replicated. In other words, you can't do nothing. You have a duty and an obligation to your client to change the to change the dynamic of what's going on in social media, in mainstream media, in the in the print journalism, 
And in this case with the McCloskeys, not unlike the Albert Pujols, Jack Clark case yeah. or the, uh, yeah. the, the uh, Obama mask wearing rodeo clown case or uh, the North Face South butt litigation. Right you, you simply can't be quiet. And what we did here, and we, we, we made this effort very, very early on, I made sure that we got the dynamic of the conversation to turn from the depiction in a one-dimensional social media sense of the McCloskeys as racists to individuals who not only were not racist, but advocates for uh, the civil rights of people of color and people who were sensitive to the, the, the messages that, in fact, black lives matter, but that they were also people who were really committed to protecting the constitutional rights of all, in, in particular, the, the Second Amendment rights that inure to our benefit, to bear arms, to protect our family and our home and our children. And, you know, in this day and age, you simply can't say nothing. Internationally, it was important to do it on this case because it was the international pressure that was immediately brought to the attention of our president, who in turn bore a great deal of pressure on local authorities to make sure that the police shifted gears from hands off to being policemen protecting and serving. Right well, and I know that, uh, you know, you guys were very aggressive uh, in terms of going on the cable news networks, which, like you said, most of the time as an attorney, you don't want your client talking, right? If there are, uh, is there's an investigation going on, if there's pending charges, and I think Mr. McCloskey on his first appearance on Tucker Carlson actually said, I'm doing this against the advice of my attorney, <laughs> yeah. who you were sitting there I with him, that, right? but he wanted to do it anyway, and I think in this case, it's an exception where he needed to do that. He could not sit quietly and let the narrative take shape without him speaking well, out. Mr. McCloskey is a rare individual as a criminally accused um, because he's an attorney. He's a, a big grown-up man. So is his wife, although a, a, man, a woman, all right? <laughs> you know, uh, gender issues aside, the fact is there's nobody more ideal and ideally suited to actually, as an accused, speak up for himself because he's able to do so without putting himself yeah. in a position of harm. That's usually the concern that you have with somebody who's not familiar with the nuances of the law. Well, and and I think it's worked because, you know, initially you had political leaders who really weren't stepping up and and having his back. And I think as the narrative shifted, you had U.S. Senator Josh Hawley come out and and call for investigations into Kim Garner. You have now Governor Parson come out and say, I'm considering a pardon. And so kudos to you because I think the media offensive has worked and now the narrative has shifted and the attention is now on Kim Gardner, I think, because you've talked to most people, Democrat, Republican, whatever it may be. They're like, what is she doing? We've got 30 plus murders in the city of St. Louis in the month of July, over half of which haven't been prosecuted. Oh, and, and remember, this is the environment in which the McCloskeys found themselves when they were besieged. Sure. Yeah. They had just watched a 7-Eleven burn for almost an hour before right. police responded on TV yeah. live. They, they uh, endured the, the murder of the retired police captain blocks yeah. away. Yeah. Uh, they had witnessed uh, mayhem and destruction to the Central West End in prior marches. Um, you know, this is, this is the environment. And so you have to contextualize everything. You can't just show a, a picture of Mr. and Mrs. McCloskey armed with guns in front of their Italian palazzo. Remember, they moved into the Central West End at a time when there was white flight. They came from the Tony suburb of town and country and bought a home where nobody was buying anything. And they not only built it, rebuilt it, rehabbed it, 
but they raised their family there. This is their home. I don't care if you have a shotgun apartment in, in you know, out by the airport or a palazzo in the Central West End. It's their home. Right on. May I ask this, man? Speaking about it's their home, that area is not the home of Lida Cruson. No. But this, this crowd fact, was going through this area where they really didn't need to be going through, right? right? No. In fact, the path was supposed to go past Portland Place to go to the mayor's home. Yeah. The turn or the deviation into Portland Place was completely not consistent with their assertion they were just going to the mayor's home. Yeah. You know, right. They're just going to New York by way of Portland Place. <laughs> right Oh. Yeah, and this is, I mean, I've never seen a case like this um, where you have the governor, who has the full pardon power, come out before there's even been a trial and say he's willing to pardon these people. And so I'm curious, as a defense attorney, um, you know, your approach is probably a a lot different because it seems like the risk of conviction, because most people take plea deals because the the alternative outcome of not taking a plea deal is so drastic compared to maybe a lesser sentence or whatever it may be. So I assume, and I don't want to get into any kind of privileged discussions, but I would assume they're going to take this all the way to trial. Well, let's just talk turkey here. There's something in securities called a put. And you're not going to lose when you have a put. (laughs) When you are criminally accused and you have the governor of the state saying, I'm going to pardon you. When you have the attorney general who's responsible for representing the circuit attorney in the event of an appeal coming out and writing an amicus brief voluntarily in support of your position and you have a president of the United States screaming and yelling about what's going on, the support of federal authorities, I'm going to suggest to you that there's absolutely none of the normal evaluation that goes into options to trial present in this case. It just doesn't exist. So why is she doing it? Um, That's what I can't understand. If I could read her mind, it would involve me speaking a language that I don't know exists. (laughs) But, I mean, I know she's up for re-election, but, I mean, you got to think she knows all these things, and she's not going to win. And, uh, in my opinion, maybe she feels like, well, at least the loss won't come until after I'm re-elected. But, I mean, she will not win this case. Well, here, let's let's take it a step further. The only African-American on the Republican Party ticket for the primaries in St. Louis County is Paul Berry III. And this is a guy who's been outspoken about the fact that, you know, the people who sustain the most loss with a compromise of Second Amendment rights is the African-American community. I personally can tell you, having represented people who were facing criminal felony charges, that the Castle Doctrine inured to my clients' benefit. And they were clients of color many, many times. It's about protecting your family. And, you know, we can't give up those rights. And it's not a race-sensitive right. All of our rights are stronger when all of the rights are strong. Absolutely. And and that's, I think, to your point, they clearly have a meritorious defense. Pardons aside, you know, all that stuff. There'll be no need for a pardon here. So the governor is safe on safe ground. He's never going to have to pardon anybody. I doubt this will ever get to trial. If it does get to trial... A number of things are going to have to happen. Kim's going to have to get re-elected. She's going to have to retain her law license. She's going to be able, have to be able to convince a jury of 12 that what the McCloskeys did, notwithstanding longstanding Missouri law and the Castle Doctrine and our Second Amendment rights, was unlawful. 
utilizing a gun that was inoperable. I'm sorry. Ain't going to happen. Well, and it has to be unanimous if it's a jury. And this is a case, too, where I, my wife, who's also a lawyer, you can imagine what our dinner conversations are like. But, I mean, we were both saying to ourselves, this is maybe a case where you'd want to have a judge as the as the trier of fact and, and, and decider of law. Maybe not. But. I'm a showman. I'm a showman. <laughs> I prefer a, an audience that can't go away. They're stuck with me. And I do have a great deal of faith in uh, in 12 jurors, um, regardless of, of heritage, creed, color, in a case like this, because every single person here can relate to the primal, innate need to support your family. Right. Oh, when they first contacted you, said, Al, this is what's going on here. Can you come over and let us tell you a story? I'm thinking to myself, wow, what must have been going through your mind when they were telling you their side of the story? Because the way it looked to me was these are two people protecting their house. Maybe these uh, protesters were not coming up on the lawn. Maybe they were in the street. But what Mr. McCloskey was doing with the brandishing of the firearm is saying, don't be coming up here. Yeah, well, it's a beautiful point and a question that's well raised. The thing is, I knew right up front because of my longstanding familiarity with Mr. McCloskey, yeah. his brethren counsel, yeah. as a former neighbor, as somebody who was actually in my older brother's class in high school. Huh. So I knew him because McCloskey's older brother was in another brother's class. Oh, really? So I, I had been exposed to him since, you know, the days when I wore a little crested jacket as a white privileged child uh -huh. who was melanin deficient. Uh -huh. um, and I've got to tell you, I knew them well enough to know that this was not, this was not an issue of racism. Yeah. This was not an issue of people who were uh, disparaging of anyone of color. Right. Right. Quite to the contrary. Yep. That being said, look, they're, they're white guys. Yeah. I'm a white guy. Yep. And no matter who you are in this world, if you're melanin challenged in America, you're not going to be able to say with any degree of credibility, I know what it's like to be a black man in America. Right. We can't. Yeah. We need to understand that, be respectful of that, but not at the same time have that respect be requiring the wholesale disregard of our other constitutional rights. Well, and I think for you, and I don't know your political views, I'm guessing you probably won't have a Trump-Pence <clears throat> sign in your yard come come October. But I have no signs in my yard. <laughs> well, I, I, Ever. So I guess my point is, this is not a political for you. This is this is a, a personal in a way, and it's also... It's uh, my duty. It's, right. it's your duty. We, You know, we took an oath to uphold our Constitution, a solemn oath. When we became agents of the court, mm -hmm. and uh, I've I've told my children, including uh, many of whom have, have been disgusted with my representation of the, of uh, of the McCloskeys, um, I've said no. My 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 job is not to judge. Right. By the way, if I had to judge, my clients are right. But my job is to advocate. Yeah. That's my duty. Yep. Absolutely. Well, we really appreciate you being here. I mean, we feel very fortunate to have you. Um, uh, Smash has got one more I question. Got one more, Al. If they make a Netflix made-for-TV movie, who do you want portraying you? Brad Pitt, uh, John Travolta. <laughs> who might that be? You know, I'm not. I'm not sure there's anyone ugly enough in central casting to be able to get through to that. John Hamm, maybe. They, you know, they, listen, anybody that would be able to tolerate and endure replicating me on screen is somebody who clearly needs therapy. So that, that's the best I can say. Well, we really appreciate you being here and taking the time. I know you're probably getting tons of media requests. So you we guys, really appreciate you, you guys, drill down your work, both of you. 
Excellent. And like I said, I've had a long-standing relationship with Smash, and it's born of the unmitigated knowledge that Smash will call it as he sees it. All right. Well, we thank you for I being here. It. We wish you wish you the best. Thank you. All right. There he is, Al Watkins, attorney for the McCloskeys, now turned witness, apparently, uh, in the case. Uh, the yep. McCloskeys, represented by uh, famous defense attorney Joel Schwartz here in St. Louis. Uh, huge get there, Smash. Appreciate you uh, making the connection there and, and getting him in here because I We're think that was uh, that Me was definitely that was definitely an insight that I have not seen yeah, on the national thing. or local media. So right uh, you are listening to the Mark Milton Show with the Smash, broadcasting from the Miller Furniture Studios. Uh, Miller Furniture again, big sale, Les Miller anniversary sale. Check them out, MillerFurniture.com. I also want to tell you guys about TRC Outdoor. They are finishing up a project in my house right now. That will knock your socks off. Smash, you're going to have to come over this fall. Check out the new patio, retaining Definitely. walls, stone stairwell. It's really impressive. Uh, they've go. done they've done some great work. Uh, and they they can do it all. Anything you need outdoor, whether it be your regular lawn maintenance, uh, you know, bed cleanup, mulching, uh, whatever you need, hardscape, uh, they can handle it. Check them out at trcoutdoor.com. Again, that's trcoutdoor.com. Tell them Milty sent you. They'll take really good care of you. Uh, we're going to take another break here. When we come back, uh, we're going to have my old law school buddy, Michael O'Shea, who's a family law attorney, come in and talk about divorce and taxes. Oh, boy. So this will be be pretty good. good. Uh, When we get back, you're listening to The Mark Milton Show with The Smash.